Yo, yo, man, what's going on, man? Just hanging out, man. It's Taylor Jetson checking in, man. Another day. Hope everybody blessed out here, man. You know, ain't nothing major, man. We just cooling it, vibing to the music, man. You know, hoping everybody out there all right. You know. I hope everybody good out there. What y'all got going on, man? Another day, man, you know. Get into it. You know. Far from civilization. Filling parachutes, sending skydivers plummeting to the ground. And freezing temperatures that no one should be able to survive. How do some people live through the impossible? Divine intervention. Luck. Or could it be something else? Something incredible. We'll try and find out what it is. What is Disney doing? in city Vietnam, November 1992. Banker Annette Hurfkins, her fiancé, and 29 other passengers board a small plane and head to the coastal town of Neutron for a vacation. But what is supposed right, to be a short routine flight is about to turn into a nightmare. When I saw the plane, I didn't want to enter it because it was awfully small. I, was, I am very claustrophobic and, and okay. yeah, I said, there's no way I enter in the plane. I'm not going to go in there. It looks old, but mostly small. And my fiance said, well, don't worry, don't you have to? It's only 55 minutes and do it for us because I have this beautiful vacation planned and I knew you we were going to speak up about it, but please, please do it. And then we entered from the back of the plane. So we sat down and we were told to buckle our seatbelts and they were going across. And then I was restrained in other than it and I did not buckle my seatbelt. And the flight took off. For the next 30 minutes, I just kept counting the minutes and the 50th minutes there was a gigantic drop. And people were screaming. And my fiance looked at me and said, well, this I don't like. And then another drop. More people screaming. And he reached for my hand and I reached for his. And then everything went black. I woke up to this eerie sound of the jungle. The plane broke in three pieces. The wings, the fuselage and the cockpit. Then I looked at my left and there I saw my fiance still strapped in his seat. He was dead. You're with the dumb 
have toothbrush in the toilet. Come on, Bill. Come on, Bill. What's the fucking problem right now? What's the fucking problem? Well, leave, me, well, leave me alone, man. I will not. I will tell y'all, play with me if y'all want. One more time. Come in here and bother me again. I'm going to tell AJ to turn his ass around and his brothers. I think you can tap into some amazing power. I truly do. It's there. You just have to have a reason to use it. Sometimes the difference between certain death and survival. Who are you? Isn't only due to adrenaline. Leave Devon and Davion alone. Inside our bodies, but because leave Devon and Davion alone. We'll find y'all breakfast or something. You'd never expect could keep you alive. Get in your bed. Southampton, England, April tenth, nineteen twelve. Get in your bed, Devon. Take Davion downstairs. Y'all get some breakfast. Sets out on our maiden voyage bound for New York. Build as unsinkable, the more than forty-six thousand ton vessel offers passengers the very latest right, go downstairs, transit get some breakfast. comfort. But what the men, women, and children on board don't know, and could never suspect, is that Titanic will not reach its intended destination. Right, go downstairs, eat your breakfast. The Titanic had two thousand two hundred and eight on board, uh, eight hundred and ninety-one of whom were crew. The Titanic was not just sort of the largest and most luxurious ocean liner of the time, but it was also seen as a kind of industrial miracle. It was the largest moving object right, come here. in human history. Hey, when oh, the boys come over, it was four days into its voyage, very late in the evening, about 20 minutes before midnight. The lookout spotted a growler iceberg in its path. Iceberg, get ahead, sir. Iceberg, get ahead, sir. And unfortunately, the ship was going too fast. They tried to turn the ship, but the iceberg struck along the starboard bow, bashing in the riveted steel plates that comprised the Titanic's hull. The Titanic is proclaimed unsinkable because of 16 watertight compartments. Except only the first forward four compartments at the bow and four compartments at the stern were truly watertight. And this was the fatal flaw because the iceberg breached more than the first four compartments. And the order was given to man the lifeboats. It's endlessly repeated that there weren't enough lifeboats in the Titanic. And strictly speaking, it's true. Every passenger and every crew member had a different moment when they began to move from complacency to concern and finally to panic. As panic spreads across the decks of the Titanic, male passengers scramble to place their wives and children on lifeboats. Many unfortunate souls choose to take their chances by jumping overboard into the frigid waters of the North Atlantic. They didn't live long. That is, with the remarkable exception of one man. Charles Jockin, the ship's chief baker. Charles Jockin was asleep in his bunk when the Titanic hit the iceberg, and where his quarters were, 
were a part of the ship that felt the collision quite significantly. So he sat up with a jolt and realized that there had been a fairly serious collision for the ship. And he went up on deck to see. When he heard that the order for lifeboats had been given, he returned to his cabin and poured himself a tumbler full of liquor. And he drank a half tumbler full. Then he went back up on deck and helped to supervise the loading of lifeboats. He helped load lifeboat 10. After that lifeboat was loaded, he went back to his cabin and had another nip or two so that he was really quite well lit as it got later in the night. At about 2.10, passengers reported hearing a sickening roar. And that was the bulkheads giving way under this incredible stress from the incoming ocean. Into Justin himself climbed onto the stern railing, not far from the flagpole, and as the ship sank, he rode it down like an elevator. The water temperature was between minus one and minus two Celsius, or about 28, which is below freezing. But it by 2:30 a.m., so 10 minutes. After the ship disappeared, the cries for help had finally stopped. So we would say survival time in that water was about 10 minutes for most passengers and crew. Jock had paddled around for a while and eventually uh, came across the overturned collapsible lifeboat and at least 28 men found refuge there and survived on the back. Jockin says he paddled up to the lifeboat and was rebuffed. They said, no more man, you'll sink us. Of the 2,208 passengers and crew who sailed upon the Titanic on its maiden voyage, only 712 survived. 1,496 yeah. perished. Among the survivors was Charles Jockin, who, after floating in 28-degree water for nearly two hours, managed to stay alive. But how? He should have... The party was high. <coughs> ...to have his legs amputated. There should have been severe damage. And there wasn't. Jockin reached New York in relative good health. He went back to his career at sea not long afterwards. And when they asked him later, what do you think it was that allowed you to survive? He said that the alcohol warmed his blood and kept him alive. But no medical science shows that this is the case. In fact, it's believed that alcohol actually makes it worse if you're encountering a situation of hypothermia. Experts say that when you drink alcohol, something called vasodilation occurs and the blood goes to your skin, which is why your face turns red if you drink a lot. So that when you actually are plunged into cold water, you're more susceptible to hypothermia. You actually... The six-year-old is now utterly and completely lost and alone, wandering the rugged wilderness. A professional search and rescue team from the county came out. And one of the first things that they did was they started by driving the roads and calling out his name. And they alerted local pilots to start flying over there. 
this is a scary situation for us. The next morning, my grandmother received a phone call that he had been found, and that was great news. It was a huge sense of relief. My six-year-old logic was that if I could just get home and get into bed, then I wouldn't be in trouble and everything would be okay. So when the sun came up, I was leaving that forested area, that plateau, and looking down below me was a valley with some houses in it. I got down the, the hill and there was a girl, and so she talked me into going into this house. And that's when I just totally fell asleep on the couch. When I woke up, there was a county sheriff there. So that officer drove me to my grandpa's house. And then eventually they brought my mom and my sister and brother over there all of a sudden. And so at that point, I kind of knew that, that I was home. In the days after his survival, Cody's journey through the Wallawa Whitman National Forest back to civilization becomes headline news across the country. But the story raises more questions than answers. How did a young child endure frigid temperatures, hostile terrain, and a walk of nearly marathon distance? Cody was missing from early afternoon until 8 o'clock the next morning, about 15 or 16 hours. And somehow in that time period, he covered 18 miles over rugged terrain in an area he'd never been in at night. It just really amazes me that he had the conviction to keep heading in the correct direction, and somehow he knew that. By the time it got dark, I'd probably walked, I think, around three or four miles. And as a six-year-old, that probably was the furthest I'd ever walked in my life up to that point. And I had found a larger road, but then it got to a fork, and I had to make a decision. decided to go right and I went down this other way for probably half a mile and then something inside me said this is not the right direction it's more scary that way and I don't know why so I turned around and once I made a decision to start walking I don't really remember questioning it an adult can sit there and think of all the fears, all the mistakes, all the bad things that can happen, where the child just knew he was in trouble and had to get out of it. But what if it's more than just a child's lack of self-consciousness that allowed Cody to make it home alive? What if there's a more supernatural explanation? For some reason, he knew that he was on the right trail. Is it because there is so many people in activity on that trail in the past that he's picking up on that energy? Whatever he's picking up, he trusts 